Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning to everybody online. Um, I'm glad you're here. I need to start this with saying, uh, y'all know I'm a little sarcastic, right? Uh, I, I know that may be a surprise to some of you, you know, who are first here, but, uh, you know, in Jesus' love, you know, sometimes I'm sarcastic. And so sometimes I will say that my, one of my spiritual gifts is stating the obvious, um, but sometimes it needs to be said, right? So, in light of that, I um, wanted to talk a little bit this morning about times and seasons and um, where we are as a, as a people, as a world, pretty much. Um, obviously, God created the earth. He created the world with times and seasons. Uh, in some parts of the world, you have more seasons than others. You know, sometimes you have just summer. Uh, some people have a lot of winter. But the, the earth has a rhythm to it. And there are biblical seasons as well. Biblical holidays or biblical remembrances. Um, Passover and Pentecost and Tabernacles were all feasts that the Jewish people had to go to Jerusalem uh, to celebrate if they possibly could. Uh, we've just celebrated Pentecost. And we are now in a season basically of harvest until Tabernacles. Um, our country has remembrances and one of those is Memorial Day, and that is tomorrow. Um, and so, as a people, it is so important to remember the sacrifice and to remember what people have done, not just recently, but also for generations. I, I mean, for hundreds of years, those that have given their lives so that we might be free. Um, and we don't really even talk about the guys that do come home, the women that do come home, but they are so affected by war and what they've seen. And so with Memorial Day, it's important that it's not just a day to go to the lake or whatever and have too much adult beverage. I don't care if you go to the lake. I guess I do care if you have too much adult beverage, but, um, but it's also a day to remember and to honor, to honor when... Um, a few times I've had the privilege of going out to the National Cemetery here in Dallas. And you see just rows upon rows upon rows of those that have given their lives in combat. You go to Arlington Cemetery in D.C. and it, it just, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And yet, the death that changed history was when Jesus died on the cross. The death and resurrection of Jesus changed history. And so while we honor those that have gone before us, it's also important to remember that what he did for the sin of the world, for my sin, for your sin, he did that we might have life and have it abundantly. Without the resurrection, we're all in trouble, right? <laughs> I mean, he died on the cross, but he didn't stay on the cross. And he was in the grave, but he didn't stay there. He resurrected. And he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us until he comes again. The giving of the Holy Spirit is not just a matter of emotion, although in worship that can be awesome, or times, sometimes with singing I, I find myself crying. But it's also for us to be effective. It's also for us to be empowered to do what we need to do in this world and, and sharing the gospel with people that have yet to hear. 
Okay, stating the obvious, we've been in a pandemic, right? For about 15 months. And things changed globally. And you would see pictures on the news of just things that were fearful. And it was like, well, if you don't wash your hands, you're in trouble. Or, you know, I mean, there was so much we didn't know at first. And then even when we did know, it was just frightening. And especially with the news, it just seems like they were just, it was a fear thing. Which, of course, is helpful to everyone, right? We all need our little dose of fear. That was funny. Um, I was listening to a podcast by uh, John Eldridge, who's the guy that wrote Moving Mountains, and he's, he's written a bunch of books. But um, he was talking about the, the trauma of global pandemic and what we've gone through in the last 15 months. And, and he said, uh, you know, we are so good at denial. We're so good at we're good now. Let's just move on, you know, and go to a ball game or go to the beach or whatever. And while those things are fun, they don't really restore us. And he talked about because of having to rally with all the stuff going on with the pandemic and all the things that it brought, we're pretty much on empty. And so how do we care for our soul? How do you restore your soul? And in thinking about that, the scripture came to mind that many of us may have learned as children or, or at an early age the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He leads me beside green pastures. He leads me before and beyond, be, beside still waters. He restores my soul. And I think for any restoration that goes on, at least part of it has to be God. He made us. And we really don't rest until we rest in him. With the pandemic, there were people, I mean, we talk about the people dealing with trauma, and, and certainly there was a lot of death and a lot of people really sick and people really healthy that became sick and all that kind of stuff. And you think about the trauma and you, you think about doctors and nurses. You know, when my mom was so sick, my brothers and I took turn being with, turns being with her, and I can't imagine if I had not been able to be with her. I mean, I, I just can't imagine how difficult that would be. I promise this gets better. So think about the nurses that held their hands or held the cell phone so their family could say goodbye. That's trauma for everybody. Doctors and nurses, let's talk about school teachers. Any school teachers here? I would just say that there's kind of a myth about summer and that myth is kids love summer more than school teachers. <laughs> Anybody that was ever a school teacher, nobody looks forward to summer, in my opinion, than school teachers or spring break or whatever that is. It just, I'm sure, makes them want to get on a table and dance. Um, think about teaching and having to teach online and in person. Sounds like real fun, right? And for the kids, you know, the little turkeys that change their picture to where it looks like they're there, but they're not really there. Not that anyone knows how to do that. With the pandemic, some of the things that we saw and continue to see are mental fog. We won't raise hands on that one. Physical exhaustion. Loss of the sense of time. What day is it? Our focus. Struggle to find things. 
we did okay in it. And it's true for, for the most part, it is, it is behind us. I mean, it's still there. Obviously, we have to be smart. But dealing with it deal, had it dealt with our emotional reserves. And so I just encourage you to think about what really restores your soul, what really fills you up again. And I would just suggest, and this, I'm sure this does not apply to anyone here, but I would just say that going to visit family is not a vacation. Y'all, y'all with me? Or am I the only one that had, um, yeah. So, although they're sweet people and all that kind of stuff, that's not a vacation, and, and a mission trip is not a vacation. But what I would say is that restoring your soul isn't a matter of a two-week vacation and we're all good. Because sometimes we are so tired to start with, and vacations are great, but if you come home more tired than you left, maybe it wasn't quite so good. Are we able to look at things like the beauty around us and really take it in? Are we able to look at like trees and flowers and, and wildlife and different things, maybe not coyotes, you know, in your backyard or whatever, but, you know, are we able to look at things and appreciate and appreciate what God has done for us? There are many different ways, I think, to restore your soul. But if God's not a part of it, I would just submit to you that I think it would be pretty empty. So I think part of it is naming it. Part of it is just admitting the fact that we're tired and that it was hard and that work was weird and all of that. And going on, how do we deal with that? What do we do? It's interesting how that we need to look in my opinion, we need to look to God in all those things. And the one who made us knows how to restore us. He knows what we need. So as you think of a plan for restoration of yourself, which I encourage you to do, you know, ask God, what, what does that for you? How, how do you feel restored? How do you, what meets your deepest need, kind of? I mean, I'm kidding, but not really. But, you know, what is it that really helps you? And what drains you? And I would suggest the things that drain you may need to be at the bottom of your list. You know, and the things that fill you up be at the top of your list. And I would just also suggest that a two-week vacation doesn't do it. Anybody in here in physical therapy or have you been in physical therapy? Come on, I know y'all have, you know. Um, that was fun, right? So John uh, Pierce was in the first service and he just had knee replacement and he screamed out, no, it was not fun. He's still in the middle of it. it. It doesn't happen quickly, right? But you have to do it so that you're restored. You have the restoration of your joints or whatever that would be. So I would just suggest today that we need to think about the things that bring rest and restoration. Rest is a four-letter word, but it's not the kind that we think of. I mean, often we think, I just can't rest. We just have to push on. I just have to do this stuff. I just need to go. If I, if I go, I'm okay. So I would encourage you to think about what you can do in this season, in the next few months, to really rest. 
to really have Sabbath rest. Do you know who's the worst at Sabbath rest? <laughs> Preachers. People on staff, because Sunday's such a busy day, and yet we need it. God created, it's a commandment, that we take Sabbath rest. And in the Old Testament, when he was giving the Ten Commandments, he speaks the most about Sabbath rest. So I encourage you to think what really restores you and how can you do that. It may be being out in nature, it may be just being outside, there may be a variety of things that, is the, that may be the case, but I encourage you that if God is not a part of it, I don't think it will be lasting. And so spending time in his presence and spending time in his word. I read books, but, but there's one book that gives life, right? So I encourage you to think about those things that you can do that would help you be restored, that would help bring restoration. And I really don't think there's restoration without repentance and forgiveness. And those often go hand in hand. So, you know, even as a nation, I mean, I'm grateful for where we live, and I, I am, I've been to other countries, and I'm grateful I live here. But there are still things that we can repent for as a nation. There are still things going on that I think grieve the heart of God. So I just encourage you in this season, we say, Holy Spirit, fill me again. And that is right. But you may also need to rest and you may also need to be quiet, and you may also need to be still. I know those that with small children in the room are just laughing inside about rest. I totally get that, although that day was a long time ago. How do we, how do we fill our soul? In the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is not known as the happy prophet, he's known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah went through three different assaults on Jerusalem, and he lived through them. And Jerusalem was basically leveled. They thought that would never happen because they thought, well, we have the temple and we have the Torah. And so we're okay, even though there was rampant sin, even though marriage covenants were broken openly. You know, there was abuse of children. There was, you know, it was horrific, worshiping other gods that demanded things that, that our God never would think of. And so they, they went on a trip to Babylon. Not much fun. And in the middle of all of that, he says, he writes, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. New every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Oh God, when we are empty, we run to him. You know, when I am really tired, I have to think about, you know, who restores that in me? And that's God. That's God who does that. And there are a number of practical ways. We talked about prayer. We talked about rest. We talked about a number of things. I don't know about you, but today the world just seems to be chaotic. There just seems to be a lot of chaos, a lot of things going on that are unsettling. And I don't think it's like we focus on that, but I think we also can't just say that's not happening. But in all of that, 
that, that we be the ones that represent his name, that we be the ones that pray for peace, that we are the ones who, uh, talking to people who have heard the wrong story, that we, bring, we, ha we help to bring restoration. In Jeremiah's day, the whole world was overturned. I mean, their whole world. They didn't let them stay in Jerusalem. They said, let's walk to Babylon. I don't know if anyone has ever Googled the miles from Jerusalem to Babylon, but I'm guessing it's more than two or three or whatever. I mean, they had to walk a long way. And the Babylonians destroyed their spiritual situation, the temple, and they destroyed their kings. And so it, it just affected society greatly. In the middle of all of this, it's written, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And so as we see just nature and just we see things that he created, knowing his incredible love for us, knowing that he is the one that brings fulfillment, he is the one that, that when we cry out to him, he is there. There are many verses in Jeremiah that people use as encouragement, and that's true. Uh, people that graduate, the seniors, often get um, the verse in Jeremiah 29, 11, that is, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, right? Y'all seen that? I'm the only one? The deal is, if you read the whole chapter, it's a little different, because he was writing that to the people that were in captivity, they were basically slaves. And he was saying, I know the plans I have for you. Plans of a future and of a hope. And that's true. But their sin caused a huge price for them, thinking it would never happen. I just encourage you this day that we would take the time to say, Lord, fill me that we would take this time to say, Lord, what drains me? You know, what is it that's draining to me and what is it that restores my soul? That you would take the time to be with him, realizing that's worth everything. That's worth everything. Scripture um, in Jeremiah, there's a translation called the Complete Jewish Bible. And... Um, a man named Daniel Stern wrote uh, basically Old Testament and New Testament. He's a Messianic Jew in, in relation to how the different cultures and so that we would understand more about some of the scriptures and he, what he writes. <clears throat> but in my mind, I keep returning to something, something that gives me hope, that the grace of Adonai is not exhausted, that his compassion has not ended. On the contrary, they are new every morning. How great your faithfulness. Adonai is all I have, I say. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. Adonai is all I have. Therefore, I put my hope in him. I think we'd look to so many things to fulfill us and things, and it's, it's fun to go to games and it's fun to go to baseball games and I think the Mavericks are playing tonight. If y'all have extra tickets, I think Cindy Johnson would be interested. <clears throat> she loves the Mavericks. It's wonderful to go to the beach. Don't step on a, what, not a scorpion, but a jellyfish. Debbie Siptak was saying in the first service 
that when she was like in high school, <clears throat> they went to the beach and there was a big jellyfish just on the shore. And so she thought, well, I'll just, you know, kill it. So she got a stick and poked it. And it sprayed totally in her face. And she said it was the worst pain she'd ever gone through until she had children. So just saying, we talk about don't poke a bear. Well, don't poke jellyfish. Ask the Lord what will fulfill you. Ask the Lord what will minister to you. He knows us. He made us. And he knows where we need to rest and when we need to rest, what we need to do. From the beginning of Scripture, when God spoke to the chaos and said, let there be light, to the end of Scripture, where Jesus says, I will make all things new, in the in-between, we look to his steadfast love, that it is unconditional no matter what we do or don't do, God loves us. There are consequences for sin, but God loves us and he cares for us. And if we need to repent, he forgives us. This week in, in talking with the contramans, there was one young man that wasn't sure that he had accepted the Lord. And, and so it's a prayer. And if you haven't prayed that, it's just a matter of we confess our sins. And Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. You know, I, I mean, it, it is not a difficult thing. And if you haven't done that and, and you want to do the boy was raised in church. He just felt like he had never done that. I receive you as my Savior. Thank you, Lord. My prayer for us all that we can really try to grasp God's steadfast love and how he cares for us. That his mercies are new every morning. And that where you may feel empty or incomplete, he brings healing. He brings his touch. He brings his fulfillment. We recognize, oh God, that we need you. We need you. And you are more than enough. So God, we thank you that that even in this season, you have walked with us. But Lord, teach us how to rest. Teach us how to focus on you, how to listen. Lord, thank you for filling us anew. Filling every cell. In Jesus' name, amen.